Hello, and welcome to another episode of COVID in Africa, a podcast looking at the continental response to COVID-19. We aim to bring you stories on how this crisis is affecting people's behaviors and attitudes on the continent. I'm your host, J.D. Ramalapa. In this episode, we will be focusing on COVID-19 and African knowledge systems. We will speak to a documentary filmmaker, Kulile Ngumalo, who is tracing the life of the late South African traditional healer, author and Sanusi, Credo Vusamazulu Mutwa. There's one thing which always comes up because I think there was a period of fame or public profile when that collaboration was on a David Icke on reptiles and extraterrestrials. I think David has an issue with uh, Buckingham Palace, but what Credo was saying is that uh, in Africa, the concept of a race of people from outer space is, is really not, not foreign. Later on, we'll also speak to entrepreneur Nobuntu Webster, who recently published her second book, a memoir called The Fire in My Bones, on whether one can be a Christian and Pan-Africanist at the same time, or whether these are mutually exclusive. I've had different like visualizations of God, you know, since I was yeah. a kid. And, you know, at some point it kind of looked like Santa Claus. And then when I thought I was getting woke, which clearly I wasn't yet properly, he was, um, I don't know, kind of floating and, you know, (laughs) but like, it's also still quite white, you know, he's kind of floating. It's almost like a cloud, you know. In 2017, Chika Ezeanya Esibu, an African knowledge expert, gave a global TED talk on African knowledge systems, which has since been viewed by more than 1.2 million people. In it, she stresses that Africa's further transformation and advancement rests in the acknowledgement, validation, and mainstreaming of Africa's own traditional authentic, original knowledge in education and in research making across sectors. This is not going to be easy for Africa. It's not going to be easy for a people used to being told how to think, what to do, how to go about it. A people long subjected to the intellectual guidance and direction of others, be it the colonial masters, aid industry or international news media. But it is a task that we have to do to make progress. While indigenous knowledge systems and healing herbs have been used across the continent for hundreds of generations, it would seem that the spread of the corona pandemic has opened a portal through which Africans can transform and potentially advance by adopting their own systems of knowledge. Or perhaps with the help of social media, these systems of knowledge are experiencing a public revival. Since the spread of the coronavirus across the African continent, many people have been sharing all kinds of herbal and natural remedies to prevent or to treat the virus once contracted. But none has been more controversial than Madagascar's COVID organics, 
a remedy based on Artemisia, a plant which has been used to successfully treat malaria. Many African people from Nigeria to Haiti have called on their governments to import the remedy and use it instead of waiting for the World Health Organization's stamp of approval. In South Africa, the Traditional Healers Organization also called on the government and African Union leaders to unite and forge their own African health organization, which will then embrace traditional African medicines. Our producer, David Lomuria, spoke with Asa Mozimu, a Zimbabwean researcher on Africa's alternative medicine at the University of Oxford about the impact of COVID-19 on African knowledge systems. The World Health Organization has said it is in touch with Madagascar over its herbal drink COVID organics believed to cure coronavirus or COVID-19 patients. President of the Republic of Madagascar, Andre Rajolina, who is on air with us from Antonio. Last month, Madagascar's President Andrew Rajolina officially launched the herbal concussion, claiming that it can prevent and cure patients suffering from the novel coronavirus. WHO's response came after Radulina slammed the global health body for not endorsing the COVID organics. Well, we have indeed introduced this uh, remedy, which contains Malagasy medicinal plants. This is something that we are used to in Madagascar. 80% of the population uses herbal remedies. The drug developed by the Malagasy Institute of Applied Research has already been sold to several other African countries, but WHO has called for caution over its use, warning its scientific approach and efficacy has not been proven. Now for more on Africa's alternative medicine, we are joined by Asa Muzimu, a PhD researcher in international development at the University of Oxford. Yeah, so how is COVID-19 changing the public trust in African knowledge system like alternative medicine? We all know that historically African knowledge system were and are still suffering from foreign cultures which seek to undermine their credibility. And this is the reason why a lot of medical scholars have argued that the encounter between the colonizers and the colonized has been depicted as a process of annihilation of local culture or local systems of knowledge and practices through the imposition of Western uh, uh, science-based uh, systems. Now, with this pandemic, which is not only stayed painstaking questions in relation to social norms and orders, but also challenged the authenticity of the scientific community. It's quite obvious that this will have an impact on African knowledge system, negatively or positively. But with the ongoing controversy, it's a bit tricky to target the moving object. But what I can say is that there will be a mixed feeling on the trust invested in African uh, knowledge systems. So far, I've heard, I mean, a lot of people, especially from Zimbabwe, claiming that COVID-19 is not as fatal as it is in other countries. And some of the reasons are being raised, of course, are emanating from indigenous medical regimes, uh, African spirituality, and so forth and so forth. Speaking of African spirituality, can we say that an African knowledge system separate from African spirituality, like the healing methods? Um, in short, I would like to say that the two are inseparable. Why? 
simply because health is embedded in many aspects of life, including spirituality. It means that to many African people, everyday life is somehow connected to the spiritual order. And as a result, there is a combination between African knowledge systems and its healing practices. I'm not going to exhaust much on the complex healing practices and African spiritualities that are found in Africa. As we know that Africa is a very diverse continent with complicated regimes of knowledge, which obviously generate intricate healing practices. And let me also mention that uh, the causes of a problem, like a pandemic or an ailment, can be interpreted differently, but this doesn't bring a disharmony between knowledge systems and how the prescription or maybe the healing practices are availed. So why is the adoption of the Madagascar's herbal remedy such a controversial issue? Is it controversial because it's an African country or is it because its efficacy has not been tested by the West? This one is... um. A very controversial topic. This one is a very emotional subject, I would like to say. But uh, I think it's, it is also related somehow to, to, to your first question on uh, the issue of public trust. Um, and I've realized that this question is quite interesting in so many different dimensions. First, we are having here an African country that is claiming that it has found a remedy after the whole world failed to instantly discover a drug for COVID-19. Second, it's a herbal remedy. And this is the most interesting part of it. It's a herbal remedy. Let's say that herbal remedy is authenticated tomorrow by the WHO, World Health Organization. I mean, what kind of a picture are we going to have? To the developed world, what kind of a picture are we going to have tomorrow? Uh, I mean, to 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 the professionals in the realm of uh, Western medicine, and what will happen to Western pharmaceutical companies? I I guess this will turn tables, and it will bring a lot of controversy here. It is always the case, though, to see uh, how the realm of medicine has been always entangled in politics. This has been worsened by globalization patent systems, and the creation of drug marketing monopoly. If you are to look very closely, such arrangements were meant not to benefit the African continent and its knowledge systems. So, for us to understand such a controversy, I think we should also look into the interface between law and science. If the evidence on the ground shows that the herbal remedy in Madagascar is effective, that is, after all clinical trials have been done, we will be proud to see a fellow African country taking a lead in availing the cure for COVID-19. Before any drug is authorized to enter the market, it has to undergo clinical trials and to see whether the drug is safe to use and whether the drug is effective. But the question still stands, which is very problematic, who tests the drug and who authenticates such drugs? I think this desires a lot of research to be done in the room of social medicine. You were listening to journalist David Lumuria speaking to Asa Mudzimu, a researcher for Africa's alternative medicine at the University of Oxford. Asa is in Zimbabwe. It is very difficult to separate African knowledge systems and African spirituality. Both are embedded in each other. Moreover, the question of the validity of African knowledge systems is inextricably linked with colonialism, racism, and Christianity.
So I wondered if a Christian could take a remedy or cure from an African traditional healer, or can a person be both Christian and Pan-Africanist? To answer some of these questions, I called on entrepreneur and author Nobundu Webster, whose memoir, The Fire in My Bones, attempts to answer these questions. I asked her if she could take a cure from an African traditional healer as a born-again Christian. Since, since the re-emergence of the Umslonyana plant, otherwise known as wormwood, I have been researching it and I have taken it and have given it to my kids in the form of a juice that a friend is now manufacturing and distributing. I would take a, a, a herbal plant. I have taken a herbal plant. I battle with the idea that because a traditional healer has discovered or has been led to discover a certain plant, I then can't take that plant. I might not take a concoction in fact, I won't take a concoction that has been mixed by a, an inyanga. There are also spiritual aspects to the inyanga process um, and, and the mixing of those herbs. And I have my own spiritual practices and my own spiritual processes. So I would not take something that's been mixed by inyanga. But if an inyanga had pronounced that umklonyana um, is good for the, the, as a remedy for this and a cure for that, I, it would not stop me from going and finding Mkhlonyana and taking it and mixing it myself or having somebody else mix it. Nobuntu believes that it is possible to be both a Christian and Pan-Africanist because Christianity existed in North Africa and Ethiopia before the Arabs and colonists arrived in Africa. Christianity in the way that it's widely known, at least in my country in South Africa, um, Christianity in the way that it's widely known amongst Africans um, and amongst black people. The version that we have come to practice as Christian is largely colonized. When you go back into history and when you look at Christianity, we have had this belief, at least um, in most of Africa, that it was missionaries and it was the West that brought, brought Christianity to Africa. And the reality is that that is not 100% true. The Christianity that the missionaries brought and the Christianity that we have come to practice was a Christianity mm. that then, by the time it got to us, was largely colonized. It was a Christianity that was largely, in South Africa, anglicized. And in other different parts of the continent, it came with Western influences um, as well. So, for instance, Christianity thrived in North Africa before invasion and occupation by the Arabs. Um, Christianity was prospering in Ethiopia in the 14th, uh, 14th and 15th centuries. Um, King Afonso of, of the Congo was the first Christian ruler of sub-Saharan Africa, and that was in 1526. Um, and if you go even further back, the Ethiopian eunuch that is spoken of in the Bible that Philip comes across was holding and reading a scroll on Isaiah's writings. Um, and so he would have known the God of the Bible already by the time Philip comes across him or by the time Philip encounters him. So Christianity, but so by the time, for instance, um, Christianity comes to South Africa, this is around the 1600s. We have already been 
au fait with um, scriptural writings and we have already mm -hmm. in Africa had Christianity prospering. What most people don't realize is that because of the Bantu migration, most of us who call ourselves members of Bantu tribes in Southern Africa will have come from Ethiopia and then when the Bantu migration happened, we would have split into tribes and become uh, Zulu, etc., 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 in South Africa at least. The reality is that I am accounted for in the Bible. I am accounted for in the history of Christianity as an African. When the Bible mentions Kushites and when the Bible mentions Kush, that is Africa. There's always this idea that you cannot be a pan-Africanist and be Christian because Christianity is a Western concept. Um, and so I just want to clarify that that's not true. It's not a Western concept at all. In fact, the Bible, most of the events of the Bible happen in the Middle East and in Africa. I'm a Christian. I'm a pan-Africanist. I believe in African knowledge systems. In her book, The Fire in My Bones, she uses her personal experiences as a child, teenager, and black African woman in the church to surface some hard-hitting questions, which started when she looked for a reflection of herself in the Bible itself. Different, like, visualizations of God, you know, since I was yeah. a kid. Um, and, you know, at some point it kind of looked like Santa Claus. And then when I thought I was getting woke, which clearly I wasn't yet properly, um, he was, um, I don't know, kind of floating and, air. you know, air, <laughs> but like, it's also still quite white, you know, he's kind of floating. Yeah. It's almost like a cloud, you know, um, you know, all these things. And also then, you know, um, I, I had mm. to go on a really uncomfortable journey. And actually, the journey for me, I was willing to let go of Christianity. So it was a journey where, okay, let me go. Let me go find this thing. Let me go find what I find. And if it doesn't make sense, I'm willing to let go of this thing. And I went on the journey, and it, I found sense. And I found reasoning. To find out what it means today to be a black person in Africa who also embraces Christianity and Pan-Africanism, it'll be important to go back in history to identify where things went wrong. This has a direct link to our lives today, whether we live or die. I think it's important for us to know where things went wrong. Um, mm. And so going back there helps us to see where truth got distorted. So I think we need truth in order to move forward. We need truth, even if we're reinventing. It needs to be based on a foundation of truth. And in order to find truth, we have to go back. In order to find the truth of our relationship as Africans with God, in order to find the truth of who God is without the distortion of man's agenda, for us to find out what God's expectation is of us, we do have to go back um, and, and because that's where the truth is. We have to go right back um, and, 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 and find out how things were, who we were, where they got distorted, which part of what we are we need to let go of and which part we need to keep. Nobuntu Webster's book, The Fire in My Bones, is available for purchase online through Amazon and Kindle.
I found that the mission schools had been teaching me lies about my people all along. Someone who has spent a lifetime trying to educate Africans about their history is the now late Grandmaster of South African traditional healers, author, conservationist, and Sanusi or keeper of African knowledge, Credo Vusamazulumu. Missionaries have told us as children that the only light came to Africa with white people. Mutua was at the forefront of traditional healers advocating for traditional medicines such as Sudalendia to be used in the treatment of HIV and AIDS patients in the early 2000s. He was also a polarizing figure who some people still believe was an apartheid regime agent. Those who have read his most famous book, Indaba, My Children, believe he is racist at best or a hyperbolic conspiracy theorist at worst, while many others um, still honor him as one of Africa's best sages. Kulile Ngumalo, a South African-based documentary filmmaker, says he hopes to dismantle some of the widely held misconceptions about him in a six-part series on the life and times of Kredomuta, which he is currently filming. Uh, it's a portrait of an extraordinary character told through lenses of ordinary things that happened in the last century. What we now understand as having been political acts by young people to get rid of a community spy might actually be a spark caused by somebody who thought just because this person is banging metal at night and the yard looks funny, so he has to be classified as a witch that we have a narrative of remembering it as a politically motivated incident but people's emotions might have been manipulated what we hope to achieve is there will be a stronger understanding of who he was and and i'm, I'm not saying he was perfect but his legacy and knowledge is so relevant for young people today That's all we'll have time for at COVID in Africa this week, a podcast brought to you by Sound Africa. If you like what we do, get in touch with us at info at soundafrica.org or follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and our newsletter by going to our website at www.soundafrica.org. Reporting in this episode was done by David Lomoria in Nairobi, Kenya. Music is Phase 2 by Zalo Zico. Story editing was done by Kelly Eve Gopman. And I am JD Ramalapa. Merci beaucoup. Obrigado. Shukran jazilen. Asante sana. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Stay safe and sound. <laughs>